1: Down in the south, I hear them calling for you And i like to feel the cold for myself Long. a storm it was blowing across the great ocean she lifted her wings to the wind like a seabird she flew to the heart of the storm and the dreams do not fly back again and now I say on the clifftops Jesus.
0: 3CR eight five five AM, three CR Digital, three CR.org.au and three CR On Demand out of the pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. And three CR proudly broadcasts from the land of the Kulin Nation and we pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Hello to any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander people tuning in, we acknowledge you, and all the lands were stolen. And never seated. I'm your host of Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues. My name is Sally Goldner. I use the pronoun she/her. And uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, then there's lots of ways to do it by all the modern means of communication. Out of the Pan eight five five at gmail.com. You can SMS six one four five six seven five one two one five. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so. And that's the bottom line. And you can also look for posts on Facebook, on my page, Sally Goldner AM, out of the pan, 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. And any uh, opinions that I present on this program are strictly my own and not. Those of any organisation with which I'm associated, past or present I don't believe there'd be any real content warnings today, um, perhaps just mentions of things in passing. But um, if there are, remember Switchboard is there, um, which is part of the QLife network around Australia on 1800 184 527. Just before I launch into chatting with our fabulous guests for today and introduce them. Um, we just got a couple of messages that came in late last week, just as I was sort of packing down. Um, thanks to Xavier, who loves the show and um, what um, the show contributes, and peace, inclusion and love. Yes, we need more of that. And um, also, um, Mel, um, after talking about, after I mentioned the... Um, you know, the um, A certain organisation called the ACL said that um, she was um, dying with laughter rather than being afraid of dying um, over their ideas that um, God will save you from a COVID infection. Oh, dearie me. Um, we have something much more enjoyable to talk about today. There's been a great book released in the last couple of weeks, um, and I have the person who wrote it and about about whom it is um, called All About Eve, Notes from a Transition. It is my pleasure to welcome to the 3CR Airwaves, Eve Rees. Eve, welcome.
2: Thanks, Sally. It's great to be here.
0: And, oh, I'm just having a technical hitch here. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not hearing you that well, Um through my headphones but it could be the headphones if any of our listeners are out there um, perhaps just tune in give me a quick message to see that it's all loud and clear but I think we're all right now. Um, Eve I'm checking in I've probably hinted at it but just double checking as to which pronouns you use if any and if it's okay to ask that.
2: Yeah of course um, I use they them pronouns.
0: Um Yep. Um, And if people are checking in, I can't take any phone calls at 3CR at the moment. Um, Send in by all the other means of communication if you can. Um, Yeah, I'm just not sure if it's the um, headphones or something else has gone amuck here, but um, you're just coming through somewhat faint in my headphones, which um, I'm not sure what that is about. Um, We'll see if we can keep ploughing on. Um, And um, so you've you've put out this wonderful book all about um, Eve. Um, I I often like to start by asking how it is, how did it come about? Was there a moment where you thought I'm going to do a book?
2: Yeah, there were a few key moments. Um, So this book uh, all about Eve is essentially a memoir of my experience of gender transition. So I, um, uh, at the, at the at what I like to think of the ripe old age of 30, um, at in 2018, I um, recognised myself as transgender for the first time and announced myself as trans for the work, to the world. And this book essentially tells the story of the last three years of my life. It's the story of, you know, when as an adult, having kind of built a life as, you know, thinking you're a cisgender person, when you recognise you're trans, what does that actually look like? Like, what does it mean to transition, you know, in terms of social transition, changing your name, changing your pronouns, changing your wardrobe um, and also dealing with, you know, issues around medical transition as well. So the, that's kind of what the book is about. The impetus to write the book for me um, really came from how important trans writing had been um, to my own ability to recognise myself as trans. I, um, you know, as I mentioned, I sort of lived through childhood, adolescence and early adulthood thinking I was a woman because that's the role I'd been assigned and Mm. it didn't really question me, didn't occur to me to question that assignment because I was like, well, you know, that's just how it is. So I just had this kind of vague but persistent sense of wrongness and unease and discomfort in my own body which manifested in all sorts of um, issues around eating and exercise and issues of mental illness. But I didn't really have a name or a concept for what this wrongness was. And then um, in the kind of mid-2000s, you know, there's this moment that we often refer to as the trans tipping point, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, can be a problematic term, but it's Mm -hmm. used to describe this moment when there was a sudden kind of explosion or increase in trans culture and trans representation and that you know came with its own issues including you know increased transphobia and a kind of backlash Mm. but that new trans culture was really life-changing for me because suddenly i could access books and tv shows and movies where i saw people with struggles that i recognized and that gave me a vocabulary and concepts finally to realize what was going on you know i was devouring book after book where characters were describing gender dysphoria and i was like oh oh that that feels a lot like the kind of wrongness i've always felt in my own body like maybe maybe what i feel is gender dysphoria too and I went kind of further and further down this wormhole of reading about transness to the point where I finally accepted and realised that this is this is who I am as well. So for me, the decision to write my own memoir was really, um, I suppose, to continue that cycle of trans people putting their experience into words um, to assert that we're here, that we exist, that we matter, and also to kind of hopefully... Um, giving tools for other trans people or people who have gender trouble to you know, be able to recognise themselves, to understand their own experience more, and also for allies and family members of trans people to kind of get a get a better glimpse into trans um, subjectivity.
0: So I think you've got a lot a lot there. Um, I just um, I was having some audio issues right as you started. I've now fixed them at my end. My end only. Um, I think we've got it. But, um, you know, you've got the, you know, a summary there that you needed to tell that story, find out about yourself and also, you know, share. And I think there's a lot in there. There's one thing I might just clarify with you again, if it's okay to ask. Are there any, in terms of your gender identity and expression, which label or labels, including none at all, do you use for yourself? I might double clarify that because I think that's really important as well.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I suppose... um, The label I prefer most of all is just trans, Mm -hmm. Um, not transgender or transsexual or I just like trans because I feel like it's a really open-ended kind of non-restrictive label to describe people whose, you know, gender identity doesn't align with their assigned sex at birth. I, um, you know, I could also, um, I suppose, be described as non-binary in that I don't, you know, identify as a man or a woman i'm somewhere you know in between or beyond that kind of gender binary um so i do sometimes use that term in everyday life because people know that term and it's familiar but i don't love that term myself mm. because because of the way it's defined as a negative like in relation to yep. the binary um which i know you know other other kind of mm. trans and genderqueer people feel that as well so um, as as a convenient shorthand to cisgender people who don't know a lot about gender diversity, I often describe myself as non-binary or transmasculine. But um, my preferred term to describe myself is just trans.
0: And I think that there's something really important in there that we just want to emphasise that in all of areas of gender identity slash expression, sexual romantic orientation. Everyone's term is very heartfelt, and I think the term that connects with your heart—that you, that a person—I say you—that I think that when, if you if you can just connect rather than sort of in inverted commas over-analyse a term, then you know that that's your individual term, and of course everyone's individual term, including none at all, is valid, and I think that's important. And yeah, trance is you know a reasonable umbrella term. There's no perfect term, and nor does there have to be for that matter, which is really important. So, you know, you've, um, you've ended up as who you are as, um, you know, as trans, and it's been a, um, you know, it is has obviously been a journey, um, you know, through, we'll say, ups and downs and, you know, walking on some lonesome valleys, to quote an old gospel song, but hopefully getting out and getting the view on the hills, um, you know, perhaps tease us a little about the book so we will all go and buy it um you know sort of um perhaps pick a you know a valley and a a mountain view um moment um each Um, not that we really like binaries on this show but we're really just (laughs) anything that's significant um to you that stands out and you know sort of what got you through what was um exalted about it um anything you like really
2: yeah, um so to, I suppose to start with the valley um kind of aspect of your question, Sally. I was I was pretty naive, or well, extremely naive, I'd say, when I um, first came out as trans, in that I was so unprepared for the amount of transphobia that still exists in the world. Um I, you know, I like, I work as a, as a university academic at La Trobe University as my day job. So I kind of, I suppose, existed in a pretty, like, progressive, liberal, woke bubble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I came from, you know, my my parents, are pro- like, I thought I was pretty progressive and, you know, university educated and sort of left-leaning. So I just kind of assumed that it wouldn't be a big deal for me to announce myself as trans trans. Um, and, you know, I was someone who had, you know, lived a life of enormous privilege before coming out because I'm white. I, you know, come from a kind of economically comfortable background. I'm university educated. You know, I have a lot of um, privileges at my disposal apart yep. from, you know, not being a cis man. And um, mm. and I was just, yeah, so naive. And th- I suppose I thought that my the my privileges would continue, you know, Um, unaltered and I just was really staggered to I suppose realise how you know not everyone in my life was comfortable with me being trans there was a lot of it was very confronting Um, people really struggled with the idea which really forced me to realise how much um, transphobia still exists and how medicalised the concept of transness still is that people you know perhaps in the way that you know um, same-sex attraction or homosexuality was several decades ago yeah. um, people really see it as a kind of pathology like a, a, a sentence to a life of misery and suffering and being an outsider and that was that was really shocking and to me um, and it really you know brought me into one of the the loneliest and hardest parts mm. of my life because I was so happy to be trans you know because I for me it was kind of the thing that explained this kind of Mm -hmm. pervasive wrongness I felt my whole life. So I was like, this is a freaking celebration. Like we need a party because, you know, now I know who I am and I can, you know, take steps to transition and it's all great. And to have to find that my joy was not met by the joy of others, that they saw it as, you know, um, a bad thing really, um, or a confronting thing was, was deeply upsetting. And but I think overall good, it was galvanising because it it politicised me. It turned me um, into, you know, some sort of an activist where it's really become a huge part of my life to advocate for, you know, trans trans issues, trans people and our dignity, our humanity, which so often still, even in, you know, a pretty progressive place like Melbourne, is, um, is not fully respected. Uh, so, you know, there were... There were particular moments you know like we've all um you know would have been aware of the the transphobic kind of uh messaging that's come out of institutions like the Australian for the past mm-hmm. few years and you know I think like many trans people that really affected me and made me feel really quite profoundly frightened that um such an, a powerful institution in this country could have such a kind of dedicated campaign of hate, essentially, against people like me. Um, but I suppose to kind of connect to um, to link that valley to the kind of the high point, um, you know, kind of being politicised as a trans person and getting involved in trans organisations like Transgender Victoria, where I, I volunteer, has given me this incredible sense of community that I've never really had before. Um, Just, you know, like obviously trans people come from, you know, all over the age and the gender spectrum and the class spectrum and the race spectrum, you know, like in many ways we're very different people. Um, But to kind of, I suppose, have a sense of common cause of being outsiders in a similar way um, has really led me to some of the most meaningful relationships um, of my adult life. I, I, in particular, I developed a really great kind of friendship and working relationship with um a well-known kind of trans podcaster and writer called Sam Elkin uh-huh. um who's yeah you know a beloved figure in, in Melbourne trans and queer communities Absolutely. and we um yeah we uh, last year together um, sort of at the start of the pandemic, we co-founded a trans and gender diverse writing collective called Spilling the Tea, mm-hmm. which, you know, was going to be an in-person thing at the Wheeler Centre, but obviously I had to go online because of, of the lockdowns. Yeah. But that ended up being really the highlight of last year for me. It was such a magical experience to get to know trans and gender diverse people from all around the country via Zoom um, to kind of provide moral support to each other and share our work. And Sam and I actually ended up publishing an anthology of some of that writing. Um, that's the, in the form of the latest issue of the Bent Street um, Journal, uh, which came out in June this year. And that's just been, yeah, incredibly joyful and meaningful to help put other trans, other people's trans writing out in the world. And. Um, give help other people have a platform and a voice it's um, been absolutely fabulous and I look forward to doing more of it because uh, Sam and I alongside Bobak Saeed and Alex Gallagher will be co-editing another anthology of trans writing which comes out next year.
0: Well, lots of awesomeness in there. Just, um, of course, declaring um, that I'm a paid employee and a founding member of Transgender Victoria, <laughs> so that interest is on on the board and um, above above board and all the rest of it. Um, but I think you touch on something so important: is that sense of community and connection that is just so relevant, and we definitely we all need that in some way. And you know, I think that. You now, people sometimes can be critical of the idea of bubbles. Well, I think we need bubbles just as a safe place to bounce around in, and then we can hop out of our bubble where we have to, and sometimes face that. Well, as you said, that world that's not so, not so nice out there. Um, and you know, look, I'm um, also just got to give, yeah, totally, say, quite easily um, and readily of course share your thoughts about sam a wonderful person who's given so much in so many facets to the trans and we'll say arts communities i think um and the last i heard was doing a show on another fabulous community station triple r who you know i'm big fan you know um i love 3cr of course but pbs triple r great community stations as well and i think that's great the more chance we have a chance to get the voices out there whether it's through books of like Bent Street Journal and yours and radio and social media and you have got people like Jordan Raskopoulos on social media doing witty things. I think it's just awesome. So I think that's what we need. Um now there's something else. Talking great radio, you um have, you um your well, you're mild man at day job, if we can call it that you're a historian, but you also um do a weekly segment on seven seven four a b c and i'm you now I'm a huge admirer of the a b c as well I think they do great radio overall overall um unless they're interfered with by politicians. no that would never happen um I never said that um so um you know tell us a little about um you know just well, we'll say eve the person, the historian as well.
2: Um, that's a great question and it has been really um, interesting and complicated to be doing things in public as both a trans author and as a historian who writes about, you know, things that aren't really to do with transness. And it's it's a funny relationship to try and work out how those two kind of public personae intersect or don't. Um, so yeah in my in my day job I'm a lecturer in history at La Trobe University in Melbourne and um La Trobe has a really proud history of uh community engagement and kind of fostering mm. public sort of intellectual work and um I've uh yeah through that I've um been a regular uh guest on 774 for the last 2 years I have a a um, show called Missing Monuments, or a segment called Missing Monuments that I do on Jacinta Parsons um, Afternoons, which is essentially um, kind of looking at aspects of Melbourne's history that we should know more about that we don't. So, you know, anyone who knows anything about monuments in Melbourne will know they're mainly of white male colonisers, often on a horse, (laughs) who, you know, invariably committed, you know, horrible acts of, you know, colonisation and often genocide and so on. So, you know, the kind of history we memorialise in this city needs to change. So, you know, my task is essentially to posit, you know, alternative histories we could be remembering each each um, couple of weeks. So I focus on, you know, queer histories, histories of women, histories of migrants, histories of First Nations people, environmental histories, and really kind of shine a light on the diverse histories of this city, and it's been a really wonderful um, thing to do in terms of community engagement as well because um, you know it, there's such amazing talk back on seven seven four and so many people text in and call in and say, "Oh you know my grandfather used to work at that cinema or you know I remember um, meeting that woman um, back in the day so it's it's really loved lovely to kind of see history come alive in that way because so often academic historians like myself. We only speak to kind of other academic historians mm. and write articles for peer-reviewed journals, so it's it's very meaningful to um, to connect with with the public. And yeah. you know, on on that front, I also um, with my colleague at La Trobe, uh, Professor Claire Wright, we run a history podcast together uh, mm. called Archive Fever. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. We're just about to launch our third season. And that podcast is a kind of interview-based podcast where we talk to all sorts of people who do research. So historians but also novelists, musicians, artists, um, you know, people from all walks of life who go through the research process in their work. And we talk to them about, you know, what that research means to them, how they did it, and we interrogate this idea of the archive because obviously you know the conventional archive as a state run institution with lots of papers in boxes that's another really white colonial mm. male institution so we we've had a lot of fabulous interviews with first nations poets or artists who you know in their work they kind of interrogate what the archive is and look at how the archive is complicit in colonial power so that's a really another fun history project that i've been doing
0: now we uh... We will gladly pop a link to that podcast series um, up in the podcast of this show. Can I just get – is there um, a link we can get um, for, for that podcast series, the past and the upcoming future?
2: Yeah. So our website is archivefeverpod.com.
0: archivefeverpod.com. We'll make sure we link up to that properly in the chat. Um, so, gosh, you you've, I feel like you've got – it's coming across to me that your life – you know yes you've had the ups and downs and the challenges but i get a, a sense now of a life that now has the right foundations that is integrating the parts are all connecting pretty well and i suppose that leads to well in terms of the journey i mean none of asking about the future at the moment almost seems a bit a bit sort of um which you know a bit out of touch but in a utopian world for you, for Eve, what would you like the rest? You know, what other goals do you have in the rest of your, across your, all the areas of your life that you'd love to manifest? Um, because um, we don't want to manifest them because we, you know, we're sick of the patriarchy in uh, <laughs> the um, on this show. Um, what you know, sort of dream high, blue sky. What would you, what would you like for yourself?
2: That's a great question. I mean, obviously it is hard to plan um, because Mm. of the pandemic and not really knowing what's going to happen next week. But um, I suppose I'd mention two things I want for myself. One is I'm scheduled to get uh, gender affirmation surgery in November and I can't wait for that and I really, really hope it goes ahead and that it's not, you know, there's no ban on elective surgeries or anything because of COVID. So that, I think, will be another really big life-changing moment for me. Um, the second sort of blue sky thinking goal is I'd really love to um, start writing more fiction and publish a novel um, featuring a lot of trans and queer characters because, you know, so often um the trans community and other marginalized groups, we kind of get shunted into doing life writing where we just kind of tell our story uh-huh. and share our trauma. It can kind of become a bit of trauma porn sometimes. Mm. And what I really want to do is just write fiction that's just kind of mainstream fiction, but just happen to have trans people in there, just like living their lives. And they're not necessarily the hero or the villain. They're just ordinary three-dimensional people doing things in the world because that's, you know, as you know, that's actually just who we are. We're like, you know, <laughs> we're trans, but we live complex lives as well.
0: Yeah, I think I think you've touched on something really good there, you know, trauma, porn. Um, you know, uh, yes, we go through trauma, but it's not all that we are. And now acknowledging, I feel I have to acknowledge the late and I will say great Stella Young, who, you know, sort of coined the phrase inspiration porn about people with disabilities. And we we need those trans characters who are people, comma, who happen to be trans, definitely, um, in all sorts of fiction. Um, And so, yeah, well, um, look, um, Dare to Dream would be my response and um, it will happen and keep rolling with it. And, um, well, the last question, where, can, where and how can we buy All About Eve?
2: So All About Eve is for sale now at, at all good bookshops. So um, I'd encourage people to buy it at their local independent bookshop. Most of those in Melbourne are delivering, often free of charge during the pandemic. So you can jump on their website. Or if that's not available, you can go to Booktopia um, and buy it there, where I believe the book's currently 20% off. So you'll get a discount. Mm.
0: Um, so I will oh I'm sure it is. I I'm am going to take a big gamble here. I'm sure it's available um at Hairs and Hyenas, for example.
2: Oh yes, it is. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah it's available, you know, at Hairs and Hyenas at Readings, at um D-Mix, you know, all, all, all the bookshops. It's out now.
0: Yep. Well, yes, definitely where you can support our independent small businesses and queer businesses, that is a must. Um and well recommended retail price twenty nine ninety nine. So Twenty um, percent off. Yes, that's a um, my mathematics. Mathematics says that's about a one and a half coffees. But um, you know, <laughs> um, if you can support our independent bookstores, Eve, I, I just really think that you know. I just want to say, I, I feel like you have sort of, you know, it ha- it's always a journey to at that point of I call it realization and just beyond. It's a time of heightened emotion, but I feel like you've come through. You've you know, you have come out the other end of the lights and valley. And you now have the people around you that make it far less lonesome and far more happy and positive. But I think it comes, of course, from that radiating, that true sense of authentic happiness from inside. And that really comes across with your whole, you know, just genuine warm approach. And that's really um, awesome. You know, we know it can be a tough journey and we need to acknowledge and affirm that individually and collectively. But let's also take the positives as well. And you've done that. And I just really, you know, sort of, um applaud and by five and all the rest, um to you.
2: Thanks, Sally. Yeah. Being trans is really the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is in
0: the end. You know, it sort of is that time where, yeah, as we as you said, you go through some tough stuff, but once you can open up and find ways to do it, we'll say positively and warmly in your in your day to day life, which you have found, um, then yeah well that that 's sort of where it becomes it is a superpower to use that term um you know able to leap tall binaries in a single bound and all that sort of <laughs> thing um, so look, just wishing you every future success if you do write more or um, you know if you're um, you know if there 's any fictional publishers publishers of fiction out there, <laughs> get in touch via the show or um, and we'll connect i 'll connect you up with um Eve. Um, let's make our dreams come true Um, stay safe and well in these times and thanks for your time on 3cr today
2: thank you so much for having me it's been a delight to chat to you
0: yep um just hang on for a second and we'll fire up some music and um we'll continue the show on 3cr and uh, you are on 3cr 855 am 3cr digital 3cr.org.au and 3cr on demand out of the pan with sally
2: Um, you're um yeah thank you so much for that
3: well it's a long straight road and the engine is deep i can't help thinking of a good night's sleep and the long long roads of my life are a calling me these are uproar See the boat.
0: Thank you, Gurujan. this is Stephen Pigram from up Broomway, Yaru country. And it's great to be down in Melbourne and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Been here for a long time. Where I
1: The Union of Australia is pleased to announce the Struggles That Made Us poster design prize, with a five grand first prize. The MUA is calling for submissions of a poster or artwork that addresses or is inspired by the struggles, events, or historical figures amongst Australian maritime workers. The winning design will be launched on May Day 2022 and featured in a special May Day edition of Overland Magazine. So get amongst it, people. Jump online and search for MUA Design Prize to enter. The Maritime Union of Australia is a proud 3CR supporter.
0: 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally, first broadcasting noon through one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. And, um, well, we just had two tracks, and the one that you heard most recently was the Doobie Brothers and from their 1990 comeback album after about eight to ten years off and that was the doctor and following from that um uh we prior to that sorry we heard from um the far gone beauties say that very carefully and slowly of course and um and um that was their take of lights on the hill the slim dusty classic and played that well not really the same sort of country but um next um uh, next week on the show, I'm going to have an out country artist. Watch Facebook throughout the week, um, or social media, and I'll be posting about that to get up. I've heard the track. I couldn't play it today. It's not released officially until Tuesday, and it's really, really awesome snoresome, so um, make sure you t- tune in for that. And, well, we played the Doctor because, well, um, Dr. Michelle Telfer, awesome um, human who gives with so much humility to Trans and gender diverse young people um, has um, uh, had a huge victory this week. For those who saw um, Australian Story back in May with Michelle, um, she talked about how she decided to write a very detailed and careful complaint to the Australian Press Council about the articles in a large national newspaper who I don't think deserve Publicity on this station, so I'm not going to mention them. You can look for articles everywhere and you'll find it in the last few days. And um, so the Australian Press Council have found the Australian... Oops, I just mentioned it. Whoops, for um ..that newspaper to be in breach of several journalistic standards. The findings show newspaper X published 45 articles that contain inaccurate information, lacked fairness, lacked balance... Inappropriately targeted Associate Professor Michelle Telfer, who is of course a doctor as well, and caused her, those in her care and trans and gender diverse and non binary kids and families in Australia distress. So that's um you know a huge win in itself. Um and there's been two big articles in the queer media who and they've drilled into this. Um one is um in Star Observer and um the other is in out in perth and um you know they've sort of gone into um the detail of this in with good coverage so i'm just going to um quote them and um um have a, a talk about that um because i think it is really important that we um you know sort of check through the detail and um you know, sort of work through this because unfortunately, you know the um you know which um and by total coincidence, you know, Eve touched on that in our interview that there has been this, you know, horrendously in our opinion, one sided commentary and, you know, lack of facts. And I, you know, as someone who's been a you know, some involved in advocacy for such a long time, um the you know, the lack of balance is you know, really appalling um, so um Crikey reported on this on Friday just after it was announced um, and for example, and Crikey said the newspaper did not tell readers the experts cited in the pieces did not treat gender diverse children um, um, the guy from western Sydney, whose name I probably don 't want to remember um, and um, the articles uh, um, and the the articles referred to discredited theories. Um, so, and the article, the newspaper X is reporting that the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Psychiatrists had abandoned a set of guidelines for trans and gender diverse children was wrong. Um, and, um, yeah, sort of, um, by, um, quoting professionals, criticizing Telfer without making it clear that those professionals weren't specialists in the relevant area meant the publication did not take reasonable steps to ensure fairness and balance Um, so we, um, you know, could, um, the children's hospital has supported their team naturally enough. Um, and Michelle Telfer herself has said the truth and the facts matter, they are worth fighting for. And I think that sums it up. And there's so many aspects to this. First of all, you know, Michelle's, you know, standing by, first of all, our young people who need that support, which, you know, again, Eve touched on, the families, and yes, Michelle did it for the truth, and yes, for herself and her team, but I think it might, you know, very much be in that order of, we'll say, descending priority, and I think that's really important. Crikey also goes on to um, quote an article, um, a study from two academics that um, found that news, um, News corps, as they're sometimes called, News Corp, what's the plural there? Um, Publications um, wrote about trans people more than any other Australian media outlet, and 90% of the articles were framed negatively. So that's one thing. And then we come to um, out in Perth's um, take on on it. And this sort of says that, um, you know, um, you'd think that, um, you know, there'd be, Um, you know, some sort of um, decent response from the newspaper in question. However, the newspaper in question, um, um, when approached by out in Perth, did not receive a response. The newspaper published an editorial on Friday addressing the adjudication. So this is quoting Newspaper X's editorial The question is whether the council's stance will further constrain legitimate scrutiny of gender clinics and stand in the way of good journalistic practice and free speech. Um, Sorry, I should have given a brown paper bag warning before reading that out. Um, You know, people could be eating lunch around eastern Australia. Um, So, um, you know, sort of, um, (laughs) I don't really see how you can do that when you've been found um, sort of, you know, sort of um, found to have breached 45 times. It can be argued that the APC has been swayed by a concerted campaign by activists not interested in this issue receiving the public scrutiny. Oh, you know, is that contempt of the APC, Australian Press Council? I don't know. Closing debate in this way will have a chilling effect on free speech. Oh, the old free speech one You know, sounds so good in on paper and it's a highly emotional term, but no one has the right to do and say what they want unfettered without taking responsibility. And the institutions to which we give greater responsibility need to take that responsibility seriously and in an equal amount to their freedom. So um, I think we can ignore that. So why didn't the Australian's editorial just put a picture of a middle finger in the air with a sign Australian Press Council in the background is what... Um, it um you know sort of um it sounds like to me. Um and of course they've had to use the dreaded term cancel culture. We will not shy away from uncomfortable topics. Well, um how about your coverage of media? Um so we could go on, but I think this is a huge victory and I think it's something that you know it's a it's a bit of a paradox. Yes, these um newspaper articles um suck um, you know, elephant. Um, elephant um, legs or something or suck industrial vacuum cleaner size call it what you will but it also said that I think a majority of Australians um you know are either positive or neutral or just want to live and let live and are past all this nonsense that we've had to deal with from that so-called newspaper and newspaper outlet and they're going to look very very silly if they don't um do better um what a shame if some of those newspapers went out of business. And I mean, some would say, what about the journalists who work for them? Well, well you know, we are finding more and more niche papers, um, whether you like them or not, the Saturday paper and um, others coming out there, New Daily, where a lot of these journalists are going because they can do something remotely resembling journalism. And you might not agree with that, but at least the st- um, what they say at times, but at least the standards are better. So... Um, good to have that. Well done, Michelle. You you know it's a great piece of allyship. I think that you know um, you know rather than having trans people or queer people having to do the emotional labour, Michelle has used her privilege to stand up for um, a group that um, you know is less fortunate. So well done, Michelle. Um, you're awesome. And as I always say with Michelle Telfer, compassion, brains, and we're sequins well at the Global Woods. That's another story. All right, let's have some more musica and um, Freedom of Species coming up very, very soon. Um, and the actually, we'll do a couple of messages instead, running out of time. Um, um, freedom of Species today, we have an interesting one. Anti-vax sentiment in the vegan community. There's one that's going to be worth keeping your devices locked on 3CR. Anyway, let's have... Um, a couple of messages and I'll come back and wrap it all up on 3CR 855am 3CR digital 3CR.org.au 3CR on demand out of the pan with Sally so hey,
3: no,
2: Join me Aya, cry with Ubuntu voices Wednesday at 8.30pm on 3CR
1: Ubuntu is a Zulu word meaning I am
2: here because you are Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African australians make to our communities in music, academia, the arts and everything in between. Come with me on a journey. Ubuntu Voices every Wednesday at 8:30 p.m. None of, us are free.
3: None of us are free one of us is chain. None of us are free. This is Hugo Race, and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Subscribe now.
0: Please do support um, independent community radio. um, Truly a free range of voices, and um, without commercial pressures of having to do seven-and-a-half-minute segments or something like that. Um, lots happening, as I said, um, once again, for Freedom of Species coming up, if you're listening live in around six minutes, minwits time, um, you, we have, um, uh, coming up on the show, um, for Freedom of Species, um, anti-vax sentiment in the vegan community, be interested to hear what that's about. Next week on the show, as I said, I'll be interviewing, um, an out-country artist in Australia, uh, and that's not a lot of those. I was thinking about that, um, you know, sort of um, um, Becky Cole, of course, well known. There's one other artist, I'm not sure how out they are, so I won't name them, who I'll just say are more um musician than singer is about as much as I might say and that hopefully will keep me safe but I'm not aware of too many so there's there's diversity for us Um, um, music of both binary kinds country and western maybe not Um, of course coming up On September the 23rd is Celebrate Bisexuality Day. Not sexuality, but you could play the sax. Um, It's like that famous line from um, one of the episodes of Police Squad um, where Leslie Nielsen takes the... um and a musical instrument away from um, um, the boxer and says, no sacks before I fight, buddy. Um, Anyway, um, standbyus.com, start booking tickets now. Um, There'll be lots of interviews um, coming up in the next few weeks with um, um, Stand By Us people declaring my interest as someone on the um, loose organising committee for that event and uh, lots of interviews on 3CR shows. Standbyus.com, including a great opening plenary involving First Nations queer people, which will be very, very awesome. Anyway, I'd better get out of here and make way for freedom of species. And thanks once again to Eve for being my guest on the show today. Thanks for your company. Thanks for listening in. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. Yep. Yep.
1: I The young people said so we should listen to the young people.